listening to Wireframes presented by the Application Developers Alliance. Uh, welcome, everyone. We're doing a, something a little bit different today on Wireframes. Uh, there's a big story that we've been talking a lot about internally here at the Alliance, and we wanted to, to sit down and get some of those thoughts recorded and uh, see what everybody else thought and start a bit of a conversation, hopefully. So I have Mike Schwartz, our Director of Developer Relations, with me today uh, to talk about Nintendo's move into mobile. And, and I want to take a second with you, Mike, before we really jump into this to just sort of reflect on what sort of a validation, I guess, this is of, of the growth that the mobile market's made. This is one of the easily the most recognizable names in gaming and still one of the largest companies in the gaming space in general, moving into mobile and moving into mobile uh, using the business strategies that are that are commonplace for companies born and bred in the mobile space. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of crazy. You see a company like Nintendo that's that was gaming for a while, um, among other companies. But at one point, Nintendo said, we will never do mobile games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you hear statistics like the fact that the iOS gaming market made more money than the Hollywood box office last year. Clearly, there's money to be made here. And for a company like Nintendo, I think there's an element of integrity that they were so resistant to move to mobile. But the fact of the matter is, is that mobile is a real gaming platform. You have companies yeah. making real money on these platforms that have dedicated fans. And Nintendo is in a great position to move into the space. I think we will see others to follow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really a validation that mobile is here to stay, that mobile gaming is here to stay. And, you know, what jumps out at me in this decision is working with a company like Dina. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Nintendo has uh, contracted their IP with Dina, a mobile games provider. And what this means is that Nintendo knows that mobile games is important, but also recognizes that there is a distinct style that needs and set of mechanics that need to be preserved in mobile games. And so working with a company like Dina proves that Nintendo recognizes that there is this difference and wants to put that their IP in the expertise of a company like Dina. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that the word integrity is, is a great way to sort of think about how Nintendo uh, approaches everything, because I think that they're a company that, that for those of us who've interacted with them, has always been focused on, on quality gameplay, and I think integrity is a good way to describe it. They're sort of – because if you think about the way that they – that Nintendo manages what they do, there's sort of a, an internal logic to a, to a series like a Mario or a Zelda mm -hmm. that Nintendo has – where you have these sort of integral mechanics and, and they don't they they evolve and adapt a little bit with each time out, but they they don't really like fundamentally change that much over time. Right. And I think that what's interesting about this move is that they've said that they're gonna be doing they're calling it free to start monetization. And you can't do a, a variation on free to play or freemium without breeding monetization into your gameplay mechanics at its core. And I think that that's an indication of what you're talking about, that they recognize that this is uh, a platform with its own integrity of a sort and that you have to to build for the audience and the tools that you have. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach adapting their existing IPs to that and how they approach 
you know, what, and how successful that is. Cause if you take, you can take Mario and, and put him on a phone, but if it doesn't play like a Mario game, will people still, still love it? Will people still flock to that game if it's, you know, Mario doing something like a, the mechanics of a, of a, an Angry Birds or a Candy Crush or a more successful mobile game? Yeah. And I mean, I think that begs the question of like, what is Nintendo's strategy here? Um, the to your exact point, like the recognizable way that, you know, I picture Mario jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yahoo. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to replicate that in the same way on mobile simply because that's not how mobile games are controlled. Um, mm-hmm. The platform games, you know, maybe not a Super Mario, but platform games on mobile are very popular, but they aren't the ones that are making exorbitant amounts of money. So it's it'll be interesting to see whether. Nintendo's strategy here is to bring their games to mobile or have a presence on mobile. And I think we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Like, will Nintendo focus on developing their own sorts of characters that are just for these, these style of mobile games? I mean, yes, you could take a Mario themed Candy Crush and it would probably succeed because you do have that IP and it'll rank highly in the App Store because if I see a Mario game, as a as an app down consumer, um, I might be inclined to download that particular application. Yeah. So I, I think that'll be Nintendo's biggest asset, but it also poses a very difficult fundamental question that Nintendo needs to answer. Are they simply selling out and going to make these games into you know replicas of other successful games that just have their IP, or are they going to treat mobile as its own vertical within the Nintendo gaming sphere. Yeah, yeah, and I think that 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 kind of that brings a question as to as to what the the goal is of this move for them because we were talking about this this when we were sort of discussing this just internally amongst ourselves is does Nintendo see this as a way to get new consumers to their existing platforms mm-hmm. or do they view this as an entire platform in of itself because I think that that's where that term Free to start, which is not the the sort of industry accepted term, but it's a term they've chosen to use becomes really interesting. As you could think of free to start as you get your your Nintendo game with your Nintendo IP free on your iPhone, and you fall in love with that character, and then you go out and you get a, a Wii U and and buy the the fifty or sixty dollar game. That's the sort of tentpole of that franchise, and that. I think is sort of an, an interesting way that Nintendo can try and go out and, and capture a new generation that didn't grow up with them in the same way that, that you or I did, where we'll, we'll get these games because we, you know, we remember playing Nintendo games when we were kids and we love them. Right. And, you know, we want to keep engaging with those characters. It might be a good way to introduce them to a whole generation. Or, uh, I think that there's another sort of interesting and, and kind of, uh, difficult question for, for the mobile gaming space to answer when they, when you see a company like Nintendo, a company so focused on integrity using a term free to start and avoiding the sort of traditional industry language, you have to wonder, do they see that language as, as a neg having some kind of negative connotation. And you think about uh, the app stores moving to using get instead of free Mm -hmm. and all of the cases of, of people being refunded money from app stores uh, due to, due to these, what are being described as kind of predatory tactics or or, or unfair uh, business practices somehow 
um, in free-to-play monetization. And I think there's a very interesting question, like, is there a perception that exists now that free-to-play games aren't on the up-and-up, or is that sort of that... That sort of, does that come from the same place that had Nintendo saying fairly recently that they never moved to mobile, where it's just sort of their traditional legacy players in gaming having kind of viewing mobile, even though it's a massive commercial force and a massive force in terms of impacting people's lives and, and game time and reaching the number of players? Do they view it as, as sort of provincial, like, oh, well, that's not the same thing that we do. That's not real gaming somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you bring up a couple of interesting points there. I think um, the free-to-start model, if it is what we're even discussing, and frankly, we don't even know if that's what that means, but yeah. if free-to-start means that I'm going to play the same game on um, on mobile that I was once able to play on my Nintendo 64, um, that I think is really interesting because then you're talking about a pricing mechanic of games. You mm-hmm. had... You know, growing up, my parents going out and spending money or me saving up and spending money or my birthday or something like that, where I would get a game that was valued at 40 or $50. If a 40 or $50 game appeared in the App Store today, it would be, like, unbelievable. Um, so I think, you know, if you're taking the kind of more legacy players, people who have been around in gaming for a while that are now just, you know, checking out mario on their phone for the first time and they get through the first couple of worlds and then they're hit with this wall like well you gotta pay now i don't necessarily know if that's going to be met with a negative reaction a negative backlash Mm -hmm. um but i think that that mechanic won't work for today's mobile gaming market um i think consumers today expect a lot to be free and when they're paying for a premium game they're willing that consumer is willing to do that up front. I pay for games that I know are going to be good. And so free to start indicates like almost like a commercial for me, like a 30 day mm-hmm. trial. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to work in the mobile gaming market. Uh, I think Nintendo will need to make a choice of whether or not they need to build their games such that they have those in game mechanics and upgrades and whatnot to offer in app purchases or, charge for the game up front and just yeah you know and i think that again speaks to your exact point like does nintendo think of themselves as a gaming company or are they purely a console gaming company and i don't think this problem is unique to them and i think you know xbox and playstation are also putting an interesting conundrum here mm-hmm. um xbox before before mobile games of course was had an indie gamer platform yeah. and you had a space where a company like Nintendo could have tested out titles or put out lightweight versions of their games. And a lot of them did put out mini games. Um, now that would be on mobile because there aren't, exactly. there isn't the user demand. So uh, I think you, we're using the words like integrity and legitimacy and whether or not a company considers themselves on that, which I think again, goes back to our first point that mobile gaming is a competitive force in gaming. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I'm saying anything profound there, but I think this, this is really cement evidence of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. And it's it's for me it's it this is one of the the in the more interesting sort of um one of the more interesting effects that the explosion of mobile has had on the industries around it is that the, the gaming industry is slowly I think even on other platforms being eaten a little bit by the business model, you, you see the success 
of of Steam and what Valve has done in that space mm-hmm. on on PC gaming, and even to a lesser degree, uh, the successes that that people are having distributing just sort of console games uh, over the internet. I think that gaming in general's kind of got sort of an app storeification going on, where this is where people expect to go and and get a game online instantly. And also, since you don't have that trip and you're not getting a box, I think people expect to get more for free, and I think they expect to pay less for what they're paying for. And I think that's mm-hmm. a change that, that in general, is gonna the gaming industry is going to have to react to. Um, and for, for, older, for older players, and Nintendo's among the oldest players left in, in this space, it's going to be a difficult adjustment uh, to make in certain respects. And I think that that's, I mean, there's an in, there's sort of an interesting discussion to be had about whether or not Nintendo's sort of sort of moving moving towards this um, in a in a way makes them less of a less of a console gaming company and more of an overall gaming company, and right. whether that that positions them as more of a brand. Because I think that what this might might overall be signaling is that Nintendo recognizes their strength at the end of the day isn't in the number of of, uh, devices that they sell, but in the recognizability of their IP and that putting their IP in the most number of places possible at the end of the day is a win. Because one of the things the sort of lesser talked about on parts of this announcement is that they've indicated they might be experimenting with some kind of a subscription service. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, a world where Nintendo works like Netflix, basically, where you have your Netflix or your Nintendo on all of your devices and you can access it anywhere and access those characters or versions of those characters and those games and those IPs in a way that's built specific to the platform is ultimately going to be the best business model for Nintendo going forward. But it's hard to say whether or not a comp- they're going to view that as a viable option or it, no one's ever tried something like that before, so it's hard to say whether it is a viable option. Yeah, and and you've seen other companies, you know, not necessarily in gaming, but you know, a company like Amazon, for example, where mm-hmm. they're it's a subscription essentially. It's a it's a it's a software solution, and they've had their attempts into the into the hardware space, and some of them have been successful, and some of them haven't been very successful at all. And you know, they, this move for Nintendo was particularly interesting because Nintendo is a hardware provider as well, yeah. um, and they have hardware sales driven by the success of their IP and their software, if you will. Um, so now, to your point before about the, the Valve and Steam and, and this app storification and kind of democratization of, of who can create games and where they can be distributed, uh, I think you're leading to a space where Nintendo's entire business model could change because of a mm-hmm. decision like this. And, you know, I, I, Nintendo's never going to make a phone. Nintendo's probably never going to make a tablet. Nintendo's probably not going to make a, a Chromecast alternative. Um, but again, it, it speaks to Nintendo's willingness to move. Like, why why would they change on their heels on this decision? Like, what mm-hmm. what do you think brought that along? I think that uh, I, for me, I think that it's it's the recognition that that they're that the hardware business is slumping. I think that that's sort of the driver because that's always been the model in gaming is that you release games people want to buy and then they spend you know hundreds of dollars on a box that will let them play them, and that sort of that's that model's not working so well, especially for Nintendo. The 
the Wii U has been, I think, demonstratively kind of a failure. Um, and yeah. I, the, their dedicated mobile devices actually in gaming are, are their most successful sellers now, which I think could be another point sort of towards their move towards more mobile platforms is that, you know, it seems like, like they're, some of their newer handheld devices that they make are more and more like tablets. They have mm-hmm. ones that are completely flat now. They have to use touch screens. Maybe it's just a matter of that transition becoming easier. Um, and, and declining hardware sales. And I think that it, that at some point it might be a willingness to cede control because they're a company that, that kind of had an Apple thing going on for a while where you got a Nintendo device to play a Nintendo game and everything ran smoothly and perfectly. And the whole experience was great because it was all designed to work together and flow through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they might be recognizing that, that as you said, they're not an Apple where they don't. They can't get people just to divide, buy their devices to play their games anymore. And unless they want to radically change their business model and try and, and try and compete with an, a whole new level of company, they're going to have to, to play in somebody else's sandbox a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think a, an obvious play for them here is not everybody could afford consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mobile is, is beautiful and that everybody has it. And especially a, an international, or I should say a non us company, uh, like Nintendo, this is going to give them access to people who recognize their IP in, in understood marketing where mobile is the focus. Mobile is their screen to the world. Um, now, you know, going back to your previous point that Nintendo is seeing some success in this space, but at some point they would need to elevate to, a serious world-class company that's competing on the hardware level with with the likes of Apple and Samsung. Um, Do you think in some of these games, is there going to be an advertising play for Nintendo? Is the draw going to be, you know, buy our other services or is it just going to become a cross promotional network or will Nintendo sell straight up ads in their games? I, it's hard. It's hard for me to say because I, I can't, it, I wouldn't venture a guess in this space as to what Nintendo is actually going to do because I just <laughs> I, I find the strategy of that company kind of incomprehensible sometimes. But I I think that that the move I've always thought they should make at least is towards uh, selling some kind of a platform uh, to parents because I've never seen a company create such an obviously kid-friendly set of products as they have. And I think that there mm-hmm. might be a place space for them to say, you know, get a subscription and a device from Nintendo, give it to your kids, and, you know, we'll keep them safe from the rest of the Internet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they'll only ever see approved things, and it's sort of a stream of content, all of which you know will be appropriate. I've always thought that that would be an interesting play for them. Uh as for, for cross-promotion among their products, I think that's obviously something that, that they see this move as, as opening themselves up to do. I think that at least at first, until they see the real revenue potential of having just mobile-focused games, mm-hmm. there's going to be an element of, you like our mobile game, go out and get the larger version for a Nintendo device or, for, or maybe even for a computer. I mean, obviously, that's never a space they've been in, but it's a space that that sort of is a more traditional place for a console game maker to port to um, would be the PC market. Um, so I think that that's definitely, definitely an, an interesting, um, 
an interesting question. I, I, ads, I feel like would be a weird move for them. They've never, I, I can think of very few instances where they've ever explicitly done it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that they would see as sort of being, uh, not appropriate for their brand. And I think that it's, it's worth pointing out that this is a company that at least for a few years, doesn't really have to do anything they don't want to do to make money. They still have one of the largest war chests in the gaming industry. And I think that they're going to resist uh, ad-based monetization for as long as they can. I totally agree. I, I think the point you bring up with the uh, the kid-oriented solution is, is certainly interesting. And, you know, I wonder if, if Nintendo's in a place to kind of set the stage of how that looks. I think you have these recognizable... You know, right, right now, essentially nobody is able to effectively monetize kids mm-hmm. right now. You, it, it's an incredibly difficult and daunting task, but you have these IP holders that are starting to really build out sizable audiences. And, and is there a model in the app store that's, that's a parent safe subscription? Um, you know, I think you saw an interesting move with YouTube a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and this is another yeah. topic entirely, but making a, a kids only environment and, you know, do you see that as being the role of the app store or that being the role of the um, kind of publishers? Because, you know, there's a, a huge monetization opportunity there that's right now ignored. Yeah. Not ignored, but not capitalized yeah. on, that's for sure. Um, it's, I think that's an interesting question if whose responsibility it is, because I think that if you ask the publishers, they would claim it. And if you ask the app stores, they would also claim it. I mean, Apple and Google have tended to be very protective of anything coming in and, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to replicate the experience of an app store. They've been very protective of that sort of, that interactive layer connecting publishers directly to people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and so that's, I think that, that if Nintendo tries to step up and do that and say that we're the environment, I think they'll see a challenge, but I also think that if you see, if you look, uh, I think they might think they can do it when they look at something like WeChat or Line, uh, where these messaging apps have become sort of a, a portal to the web and a portal to a lot of different functions. I think Nintendo coming from the Asian markets where those are, are the biggest and most successful might look at the success and say, maybe we can create uh, a platform within a platform for kids and be successful, but I would be shocked if Apple and Google didn't try and challenge them uh, if they made that move. And I'd be shocked if Apple and Google didn't try and create something like that on their own. Although with Google owning YouTube and, and making the move there, maybe they see it as something uh, within their own apps, and maybe that points towards sort of a more distributed approach to, to platforms in general. Um, but I think that... that that it's going to be something that they'll try and defend. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought here. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I think what you're talking about there is, is pretty much exactly right. That the app stores do have so much control over what goes out there and goes around. Um, you know, and I, I think where the focus lies depends on, again, what Nintendo strategy is here. I mean, you have a cultural and behavior difference between you and I, mm-hmm. or you and me, rather, and folks who 
and kids who play games and adults who play these games while standing in a line at Starbucks. And those are three really different audiences. And if you start to mess with nostalgia and passion that some of these people feel towards the this IP, you're talking about essentially three different apps that you need to produce. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's a world where Nintendo is going to be able to release a couple of apps a year, one big release a year that, that keeps everyone happy. And, uh, you know, cause I think if you're trying to reach, if you're trying to reach adults who are on the go, something that's addictive, something that keeps you coming back, mm-hmm. if you're trying to reach those, those dedicated gamers, whether it be PC gamers or, or, or console gamers, um, you know, that has to be something serious and immersive and, and high quality. But if you're trying to reach kids, it's gotta be fun. And Mario's got to smile and there's gotta be a yeah. lot of stars and, Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that's completely right, and I think that this is one of the the interesting points about where Nintendo is is that while they make consoles and and their games are are if you look at them mechanically, they're they're more similar to the kinds of games that that people who really engage with with gaming as a medium who are sort of I, I hate the word hard the term hardcore gamers, but who who are sort of more uh, who who will sit down and play a game and own a device exclusively for the purpose of playing games, they're more mechanically similar to that than they are to uh, a Candy Crush or, or a mobile game that appeals to people on the go. But they, of the, the people in that space, they have sort of made traditionally the most accessible and friendly games to outsiders. So I think that if there's there's someone who can kind of navigate that gray area it might be Nintendo, yeah. But it's it's a still an interesting question of how you bridge those markets because it's it's you know Nintendo is one of those companies I feel like where when they do something some there's always someone who's not satisfied with it whether it's their sort of hardcore fans who who want them to to keep releasing the same things they always did or or do something that's more in depth or something like that or whether they've made something that doesn't appeal to children in the way that people feel a Nintendo product should. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, one the advantage of having a really strong brand and really strong IPs is that people will flock to you and engage with it, but the disadvantage is that people have a lot of strong opinions about what your brand should be, what your IP means. And that sort of... Uh, you know, as platforms shift and as sort of the the way that we play games shift, that's an interesting question the legacy players are going to have to ask themselves is how do we maintain the core of these series, which are, are the basis of, of the traditional gaming business, is, yeah. is series and sequels and repeated IPs, and how do we keep the soul of those series alive while moving and effectively monetizing on new platforms? Yeah. I mean, the, the one... The one kind of bigger gaming company who has ever done that, I mean, they were never solely a console game, has been EA. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that they've always kind of had their their feet in both pools or whatever the phrase would be. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it's crazy that we're here talking about a gaming company being thrown by mobile because mobile yeah. gaming has been driving the app ecosystem since, you know, well before either of us were ever involved in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've seen technology companies come 
and totally disrupt different markets. But gaming has one, been one that, you know, it, this is a totally new perspective on it. And you've had these, these big IP holders pushing back against it and trying to do their own things. But now you have someone just totally embracing it. And I'm not sure if there are other industries that really have this ability. Um, you know, like no, there's no auto manufacturer or no, no taxi cab company that has successfully competed with an Uber or a Lyft. And, yeah. and it'll be really interesting to see if, if Nintendo is able to compete with the likes of Supercell or, uh, or any of these other major game companies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's true. It's, it's, and it's one of the, the things people forget, you know, everyone talks about software eating the world and software getting put into more and more places, mostly because of the explosion in mobile is that software has been around for longer than mobile. And one of the, the industries that has the most interesting questions to face is people who've made software before, because it's how do we navigate the entire space of what we're doing, changing completely. I mean, it's, you know, more and more people, and I think especially outside the U.S., are going to have their primary computing device and perhaps their only computing device be a mobile device. Mm-hmm. And if you make software, you can't ignore that shift. You have to, you have to address it somehow. And uh, in gaming, I think I think that that's one of the models where the revenue has changed the fastest. And I think that's because on on some level, uh, it's it's making games into a, a bigger part of our daily lives. And I think that this is sort of if you want to look at it from beyond just a purely business perspective, why it makes sense for a company like Nintendo to go into mobile because the goal of of a games maker at some some level beyond making money if they're you know, when they when they have that level, and, and I think most of them do, I think most of them want to make games that people enjoy, and I think they want to make people have fun. And the way to reach the majority of people is going to be on these mobile devices. You have an opportunity to reach the kinds of people who never would have thought about playing a game before and, right. and just a truly massive audience. And I think that, that beyond the, the monetary aspect of that, if you're running a company like Nintendo and you say our goal is to is at some level to make people happy, why don't we go where the most people are? Yeah, it's you know a company that put itself behind walls and realized that you know to your exact point, it's it's finding new customers to delight and make their day better, and that's what gaming is all about. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I I truly don't think that this is going to be the only big name to make this shift. Uh, of course, especially if Nintendo sees any kind of success, which I yeah. imagine they will. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And I, I think it's great for gaming to bring somebody into the space like this. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are, who are ex Nintendo who are working at other gaming companies now that finally get to say, I told you so. Um, <laughs> And if Nintendo does it right, they have the opportunity to really get back into gaming and what that means and what that looks like and and how much it monetizes. Those are questions still to be answered, but yeah. it's good for mobile and it's good for gaming. Yeah, I, I think it's I think you're totally right. I think I think it's great for gaming just because you know maybe Nintendo won't be super successful, maybe they won't they won't dominate the app stores, but. They're certainly going to mix things up. You can't ignore someone like Nintendo entering the space um, with the with the resources they have, both in terms of brand recognition and marketing abilities. I think that they're going to shake things up and and you know 
mobile gaming is a space where where there have been a few dominant players for a while, and and aside from from the occasional viral app, uh, like like something like a Flappy Bird, there hasn't maybe been enough to challenge them, and this might might shake up the space, get a little bit of of new blood flowing. I think overall, it's it's going to be great for consumers of mobile games. Yeah. And I think that it's going to drive a, a lot of great thinking and a, a lot of innovative, innovative and fun new games. Hopefully, yeah. And I mean, you said it before. Like Nintendo has a large war chest, and the App Store, much to the dismay of the individual developer these days, is mm-hmm. a, a game where the rich get richer. And I think if Nintendo is calculated about their approach, which I imagine that they will be, there are. Uh, there's a huge marketing budget behind this. There's the recognition they're not going to have to, you know, buy Super Bowl commercials just to get their name out there. Yeah. But you know, so long as they nail the game mechanics, I think the rest of that, rest of those pieces are in place. Um, so, to your point, they, they could totally suck the air out of the room. Yeah, they they could, and and there's the potential for that, um, which would be really interesting to see. And and it's. I mean, obviously, we can't really answer any of these questions about where this is going for certain, but it's it's certainly going to be interesting to watch and a development that that anyone in in mobile gaming and perhaps in mobile in general should be keeping track of. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> it feels odd to say, <laughs> but thank you for for chatting with me today. All right. Thanks a lot, Jacob.